Holy smokes, this guy's pale. You know why? Because I'm living in the northern Minnesota and it's the middle of winter. Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and this is Ascension Presents. You know, we've been doing this Bible in a year thing for however long. However long you've been going through it, that's how long we've been doing it. But one of the things that happens is, as we're reading through the Bible, especially those first five books of Moses, like known as the Torah, what we have is we have Exodus, we have Leviticus, we have Deuteronomy, we have Numbers, those four particular books that talk about worship. And they talk about, here's how you are going to worship. And one of the questions that comes up is, why is God so preoccupied with our worshiping him. In fact, a lot of times our perception, perspective, the way we see it is, wow, that seems a little bit desperate on the Lord's part, on God's part. Why does he need us to worship him? Great question, camper. Short answer, he doesn't. He doesn't need us to worship him. Actually, God needs nothing. So here's the thing. Sometimes we fall into the trap of anthropomorphizing God, right? So he reveals himself to be a person. In fact, a trinity of persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But we anthropomorphize God. And even in, in scripture, there's sometimes the ways in which scripture depicts God or talks about God is he regretted in his heart. He was grieved to his heart. Like some of those things. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to tell us something deep about God. But God is not human being. He's not one of us. Actually, except for Jesus incarnate in the flesh. Here's what we know about God. That God, fully sufficient in himself, did not need anything. He didn't want anything. God did not create the universe because he was lonely. In fact, what we believe about God is that he's a trinity of persons, right? So he is a communion of persons. He lacks for nothing. Lacks nothing. So in creating human beings, as I said, it wasn't because he's like, I'm just so lonely. I want to make some people who can, either I can, uh, either it's because I'm lonely and I want something, or I, I feel lack of attention towards myself. Here's the thing. God is not someone on Instagram who's starved for likes. That is just massively important that we establish this very clearly. God is not starved for likes. He's not starved for attention. He's not starved for anything. God is fullness itself. He is being itself. He is um, sufficient unto himself. Okay, so he doesn't need anything. So then, why does he keep saying, here's how you're going to worship me? Why does he seem so eager for us, not desperate, but eager for us to worship him? A couple reasons. Here's one reason. One is because... He knows what we're made for. Here's God who is the, the fundamental ground of being. There's, there's literally nothing that exists outside of God. Our hearts are made for ultimate meaning. Our hearts are made for ultimate truth. Our hearts are made for ultimate beauty, ultimate goodness, which is another way to say our hearts are made for him. And so when we put other things ahead of him, our hearts are the things that are wounded. Like when we put other things ahead of God, it's our hearts that become distorted. It's our hearts that become twisted. It's us who lack something. So when God says, worship me, what he's saying is, I'm inviting you into this relationship because, um, not just the relationship, I'm, first thing, I'm inviting you to place me first because that's literally where I belong. Not number two, so number one, priority. Number two, God even points out in scripture, he says, do you think that I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Like, I don't need those things then why do you ask for them? <laughs> because you need them. What do you mean? In worship, we're called to sacrifice. We're called to give God our first fruits. What develops when we give God our first fruits, right? So here's the firstborn calf, the firstborn lamb, the, the first fruits of one's field. What happens when we give God the first fruits? What we're saying is, God, I'm, I trust you. What we're saying is, is God, uh, I give you this thing, 
which for me represents security. For me, it represents certainty. For me, it represents the fact that I'm now safe. I'm now taken care of. I'm giving away my insurance because I trust you. And there's something that happens to us in our relationship with God when we give him our first fruits, when we give him that worship that actually means something to us. It actually costs us something. One of the, thing, one of the things it costs us is it costs us our security. It costs us our guarantee. It costs us our, our insurance. And so when we place those first fruits in, into God, in God's hands or offer them to him, that worship, that act of sacrifice is an act of trust. Number three, uh, Gosh, and it's so important. C.S. Lewis talks about this. He talks about worship as an act of joy. That, again, here's, not, here's God who's not desperate for us. God is not desperate for our attention. God's not starved for attention. He's not starved for anything. Why does he command us to worship him? Because he said, Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it, to ab- have it abundantly. I came that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. How is joy made complete? In worship. Well, Think about anything that's praiseworthy. Think about anything that you love, anything that captivates your imagination, captivates your heart, captivates your life, your attention, your time. We want to praise that automatically, right? We want to praise. It's, it's, it's built into the human heart to desire to praise, to desire to worship. We find art that we love. We talk about, that is incredible. Look at this. We, we, we find a movie that we love. Can, guys, you have to watch this thing. We find a band that we love. We praise it. And then we not only praise it, but we also point other people to it. We don't just enjoy it. We actually point other people to it and say, come join me. Isn't this incredible? C.S. Lewis, I'm paraphrasing him. He says something like, isn't she amazing? Isn't he lovely? Isn't that work incredible? We do this because that's part of the natural longing of the human heart. When we recognize something incredible, we desire to praise it. And not only desire to praise it, desire to bring people into that praise with us. Lewis said it like this. He said, we automatically praise what we enjoy. We automatically praise what we enjoy. Because the praise not only expresses the joy, but in a certain sense completes it. You know, my joy would in some ways be incomplete unless I actually had the opportunity to praise the thing that I'm enjoying. And here's the fourth reason. Not only is it because we have the right priorities, not only because we can, it's an expression of trust, worship is, not only expression of praise, and of joy, I mean, but also it's an act of love. Like giving God worship is an act of love. In fact, what is it to love something? It takes to will the good of the other. Well, when it comes to God, <laughs> he's perfect in himself, right? He doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything. But when we obey him, when we worship him, that's an expression of love of him. Our obedience and our worship is an expression of love because we have nothing else to give to God. We have nothing else to give God except our obedience and our worship. And even the, the church teaches this, teaches that even the desire to worship God is his gift to us. Think about it this way. God in the scriptures says, I am a jealous God. When you give your hearts to these other false gods, these other idols in your life, I'm a jealous God. Now, if you had a husband and wife and there was a wife who says, actually, I'm jealous of the attention, to her husband says, I'm jealous of the attention you give to other women, you'd say, that's correct. That's an appropriate response. If your husband's giving attention that belongs, that should be be directed to you, to other people, other women, then you should be jealous. Why? Because that's the appropriate relationship. And here's God himself who says, I'm a jealous God. Why? Because you're giving your heart, you're giving your, 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 yourself 
to something less than me. You're giving it to something less than this particular relationship into which I've brought you. So to come away, to leave, to not give God worship would be, in many ways, to be adulterous. That's why in the scriptures, idolatry is likened to adultery. But being faithful, worship is being faithful. Worship is an act of love. So, worship is not for God. Worship is for us. For us to get first things first. For us to get, um, be able to have an expression of trust and grow in trust. For us to have joy and enter into the joy of worship and as an expression of the love that we have for God. To not desire to worship God is not to have love for God. It is not to, it's to not take joy in God. It's to not trust in God. And it is not to place God first. But to worship is those things. It is to place God first. It is to trust God. It is to take joy in God. And it is to love God. So, this Sunday, go to Mass. Worship the Lord with all of your heart which is to love him with all of your heart. Anyways, that's what I got for you. Uh, my name is Father Mike. This is Central Presents. God bless. Nestled under the warm Florida sun is a university whose name indicates a vocational call. Ave Maria, Latin for Hail Mary, recalls the angel Gabriel's announcement to Mary of her future vocation, becoming the mother of God. Enriched by God's grace, Mary freely ascends to this call. This is the model for all students. Come to Ave Maria University, where we offer a liberal arts curriculum buoyed by the sacraments. This empowers you to clearly see your vocational call, whatever that might be. Ave Maria University, your vocation location. Visit AveMaria.edu or call 1-833-AMUSWFL.